On this episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast, Joe and Ron chat with Dr. Dawn Fashera, a middle school language arts teacher and lover of design thinking from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Dawn shares unique ways students and teachers can use the design thinking mindset in the classroom. Dawn is also a Project Invent fellow and shares her and her students' experiences working with Project Invent. Buckle up and get ready to learn with Joe and Ron. Now, let's get into the show. About the nerds. What's the word? Teacher nudes. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. If you listen to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam! Trying to take the teaching from one level to the next. Reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teaching nudes. Start the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. I'm Ron Nober. I'm Joe DiPaolo. I am a technology teacher for third grade to eighth grade. And I teach fifth grade math, science, and social studies. And today our guest talking about design thinking and project invent is Dr. Dawn Fashera from right here in New Jersey. <laughs> Probably one of the only guests that we've had who's literally only about a half an hour from Joe and I. So um, that's pretty awesome. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm real excited to have our discussion. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. We were talking a little bit beforehand, and uh, you are right in our wheelhouse of <laughs> things that we like to talk about. So since we're all from Jersey, and we're going to start off with our this or that. All right. It is August as we are recording. It is prime Jersey produce season. Hmm. So are this or that is fresh Jersey corn or fresh Jersey tomatoes? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> as soon as you said corn, I was like heirloom tomatoes. <laughs> or that we're playing this. Or that playing this. Or that on the Teacher Nerds podcast show. Or that is it this. Or that is it this. For that on the Teacher Nerds podcast. So oh, sweet corn. Um, me. All right. So see, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with like I really want to say sweet corn, but I only get it occasionally because it's like nothing nutritious about it. Oh, I'm going with sweet corn. Yeah, 100 sweet corn. <laughs> all right. So sweet corn, Joe. What about you? Oh, I'm totally corn as well, Ron. Like I'll grow tomatoes all day long, but. You know, unless it's in a gravy or sauce or something like that, I'm not into them. All right. All right. And it is three for three. I am sweet nice. corn as well. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing like a good every, every year, my wife and I, we have to do at least one. It's corn for dinner night. Oh, and it's sure. just, just corn. You know, we'll get like a dozen ears of corn and that's dinner for the Holy night. Crap. Yeah. Can you eat that many ears of corn? I'll eat six. Holy crap. I'll eat eight. Yeah. <laughs> I've eaten four. I just sat down and ate corn for dinner. I've eaten four. Holy yeah. crap. Mm -hmm. And you don't even eat butter. It's that. No, I, oh, I did just I... a little bit of salt and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. corn and whew, nothing like it. <laughs> nothing like it. Anybody out there who hasn't had fresh Jersey corn? Ooh, missing out. Yeah, you are missing out. You got to come and get some. Yeah. 
What were you going to say, Don? Do Instacart. Grab an Instacart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, around us, there's farmer's markets all over the place where you can just get that fresh corn. So, yeah, it's awesome. And now we're going to take a little break, but we'll be back in a moment. Are you ready for a podcast that celebrates innovation in education? Well, look no further than the What School Could Be podcast. On the What School Could Be podcast, you'll discover stories of educators and education leaders who ignite student engagement, purpose, and joy. Experience the power of project-based, place-based, and product-based approaches that spark student engagement and purpose. Unlock the potential of personalized, inquiry-based instruction that embraces diversity and taps into every student's unique abilities. The What School Could Be podcast, inspiring imagination, igniting change, and empowering the next generation. And now back to the show. So we were talking a little earlier, your journey into education is not the typical graduated at 22 and jumped into teaching. So can you give us a little background? Absolutely. So um, I started off um, looking at communications. I went to, uh, I actually started Delaware County. So I ended up getting a scholarship to Rosemont College from there. And I was the first to graduate with a communication degree there. So I helped write the graduate program for the bachelor, the BA program, um, and what the requirements for graduation were going to be. And then from there, I took a couple of years off and then I went back for my master's at Villanova and I received my master's in strategic communication. And then I got a post master in advertising and, and marketing and production, media production. And then I did PR for a long time. Uh, and then I segued into uh, like leaving PR because I had my uh, young son at the time and I ended up doing fitness. So I got into personal fitness and I got into health and wellness coaching and I got into yoga and I got into training hit and all kinds of things. And in the meantime, since my son was young at home, I was, uh, I got an offer to teach a, an actor, an acting class at the, the resident um, uh, JCC camps. And from there, I really realized that everything, and I've been in hospitality as a, you know, through college too. So I spent like 15 years as a bartender. So everything was like service in some way, serving somebody, serving something, <laughs> serving an idea, serving a brand. Um, and it really just kind of coalesced in this aha moment of this is really what I'm meant to be doing, like to, to helping. And, and that's really at the core of my why and who I am and why I do what I do is and, and how much I love the classroom is just to be able to pull from these different areas and to engage. So I ended up going back for a second master's um, after my experience there. I took the alt track, got my second master's in education, and then just recently finished my doctorate in district leadership and innovation with design thinking at Wilmington University. So it's been kind of a sideways there, but you know, it's all good for the kids, right? Yeah. And you're currently middle school language arts teacher, correct? Currently middle school. More often than not, I'm typically like the, the only ELA educator in the room at conferences of like these, where that's mostly right. STEM or technology. Um, but I'm typically the only ELA, but I really truly believe in interdisciplinary and that yep. um, it, it does flow and there's a, there's a way for it to flow. And Joe, that's your class, like what you always say, right? Oh, most definitely. Yep. It doesn't matter. Like, how it happens as long as it happens. Yeah. 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 Just got to show up, right? That's <laughs> half the battle of life. It's just showing up for it. <laughs> so uh, like you say, you're a big proponent of design thinking. So we've done episodes on design thinking. Joe and I love design thinking. Can you just kind of give a refresher to our audience? Like what yeah. is design thinking? I think people get like it's, like it's a misnomer. People think you have to be a designer, you have to be an architecture in order to understand and really fully grasp design thinking. 
quite simply, it's a human-centered approach to problem solving. That's design thinking in a nutshell. You approach it with empathy and compassion about your end user. Now you can substitute end user for whoever your student, your needs, your client, your whatever. Um, you know, at, that the whole idea is that you are taking a human, you're thinking about the person first, not about the metrics. It's the person. And how can you assist and help this person with a problem and help solve that? So with design thinking, it's removing yourself and your needs, desires, wants, and wishes out of it to really truly focus on what your end user, whoever that might be, um, needs. And, and then being able to empathetically design for them and with them, um, which is different, right? So not just for them and here's what I've got, here's my idea, but you're really designing with them um, and you're consistently thinking about their needs throughout every part of the process. And I think one of the, for me, one of the best videos or, or things that I've seen helping that is the TED talk about the gentleman who designed the MRI machine. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, just for listeners, just a little background, he was an engineer for GE, designed this MRI machine, was so happy with himself and, and how the MRI machine worked. And when he went and saw it in use, and saw a terrified child and parent going to use the MRI machine and kind of, I think, immediately thought to himself, this isn't as great as I thought the machine works, but the experience yes. isn't there. Yes. Um, and worked with a team to redesign it into these amazing, now they have like, yeah. one is like a pirate ship theme where yeah. there's a whole experience to help the child feel calmer about going into the MRI machine. Um, and I think there's a spaceship and there are a number of them now, especially around children, children's hospitals. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll throw a link to that Ted talk in our like show notes because it is, it's an amazing, and it really gives you the essence of design thinking. I think it's empathy, right? Yeah. Like that design thinking is empathy, empathy yep. for, for others, for, for, you know, ourselves. It's just, it's working from a frame of empathy. Um, and Joe and I, we have design thinking eBooks that we, we have on our website. Um, so we'll throw links to those in as well. So in school, in language arts, in a math class, in a science class, social studies, how does design thinking fit into classes like that, you know, in your opinion? So it can fit in a couple of different ways. Um, I like to be like to kind of liken it to our argumentative unit, right? So we have to write an argument and you have to propose something and you have to support it. What I usually do with my argument unit is, um, or persuasion, it's argument persuasion is I do Shark Tank. So with Shark Tank, you end up prototyping, right? But you still have all those language arts components of, um, of you know, persuasive speech. And you have to do branding, you have to do messaging, you have to create a website, you have to create your marketing materials, you have to be able to communicate effectively. So it does tie in, in in that way. But there are also ways where like, say you're reading Romeo and Juliet, and you have to look at it from a different perspective, from Romeo's perspective, what might he have done differently, right? To like, And you can use that design thinking of like, well, let's brainstorm, what's the problem here? The problem is that Romeo wakes up, sees Juliet, thinks that she's dead and like, you know, and that's it. Um, but then you could approach it like, well, if I were Romeo or if I was in Juliet's, I wake up and Romeo is dead and I'm going to drive a dagger through my heart. Like what other, what other choices she could have done? Like what, you know, how do you use the design thinking process? Well, let's brainstorm. Could she have checked my heartbeat? Could she have done this? Could she have done that? Let's, 
you know what I mean? So you could, you could, you could brainstorm ideas and then you could, you know, iterate on that and, and prototype. And it's again, that cyclical nature of going back and forth, back and forth. And, and that's one of the ways that you can do it. But I also use it in developing empathy for understanding our characters. If you're doing a character on, analysis, how might you use design thinking to say, oh, well, what was his or her problem or their problem, right? Um, and to be able to, to, to use that empathy to drive deeper into the choices they make. So if you're looking at the outsiders, how might I apply some of the, the, the concepts of design thinking? How do I empathize with Ponyboy? Or how do I empathize with Johnny? Um, you know, at, like when he's seeing Pony being drowned and he has to make these decisions, you know, brainstorming, how do you get out of those problems? How do you get out of those identity problems or those wicked problems? So there is a way. And, and again, I mean, history, everything is, again, that interdisciplinary where you can apply the concept. Stanford's got that that that, that amazing model, right? The um, honeycomb model of how to use design thinking and the idea like what are, how do you iterate, how do you brainstorm, how do you, you know, brainstorm, how do you prototype? It doesn't necessarily have to be this great big technological magical thing. It can simply be like, if they had to create a better stage and how would you go about creating a better stage so the acoustics were better so your audience could hear you, right? You could go about like the stage queuing and stage like construction. Um, so I think there are some ways to, to use it that way. And I like that because a lot of times I think when you think of, or you know, even for me, when I think of design thing, I think a lot of like an end product, but I like how you're using it where it could be the end product isn't a physical product, but a, how do I change what I've done or, and that, I mean, huge for middle scores to be able to bring back to their own life when they're up against problems. Absolutely. We do a lot of like social emotional learning in our advisory classes. Right. But I really think that like it goes hand in hand with, with our, with our like our anti-bullying campaigns and things like that. Like, how do you apply this again, since it is human centered and you're starting with empathy, like how might we, is always that kind of sentence stem. Like how might we fill in the blank? Um, how might we design together? How might we, you know, uh, become more open to other people? How might we, and then fill it in. Um, so those ideas, again, I think that you're right. Like people do get wrapped up in the physicality of it. Like you have to have something to show them. It doesn't have to be a physical manifestation. It can certainly be like, here's a newer way of thinking, you know, this is how we're going to approach this thought. This is how we're going to approach this, this problem to solve. Um, you know, how do we iterate? Like, let me try this out. Just like you try personalities on, let me try this out. Let me get the feedback. What does the feedback tell me? What's positive? What's negative? How do I iterate? How do I make those changes? You know, that's why it's more of a mindset, I think, than like a, a, a just as something as a toolkit where like, let me pull this part out. Um, it really is a mindset because you are constantly iterating your persona, especially in middle school, because they're not yet formed of who they are, or who they want to be. Right? right. And it's your verbiage. How might we? How might we? How might we yeah. do this? Yeah. And that makes it less scary. Right. And, it, and it's also how might we is less committed. It's less of a commitment to like, I have to do this, that have to, should, right? The tyranny of the shoulds is a psychologist. Karen Horne always said like the tyranny of the shoulds. Once you say that, but once you say, how might we, even though it's in a passive voice, it does allow for, so for brainstorming, it allows for making different choices and saying, you know what, that didn't work. Let me try something else, right? Yeah, I like that. It's, it, there's that almost when you commit hard, you almost have failed somewhat because you're you're not letting other ideas in. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things, right? Wild ideas welcome. 
with design yeah. thinking is you never shoot down in the brainstorming phrase. Like you, like, what are your most wild, crazy ideas? If you could do anything, how would you do it? Because often from those wild, crazy, you know, ideas comes something that you can work with. Right. So you're not limiting yourself. And that's the other, the other component of it. And even like if you're a teacher, right? So just lesson planning. How do you how do you use design thinking to lesson plan? Right. You're getting feedback all the time from your kids, from your students, exit tickets, the looks on their faces, like where are they? Are they, you know, are they checked out? If you get that feedback, like, all right, from period one, I tried this. Let me tweak it. Anytime you tweak in real time is really like a design thinking approach, right? You're mm-hmm. still iterating on your previous you know, idea. And that's why it's like, let me go back to brainstorming, they iterate, let me change my different approach. What if I try this next instead? Will I engage my kids better? Right. And then you can apply that immediately. And then you test that and you get the feedback right away, right? That testing cycle is right away. And then you go back again, like, all right, I might need to tweak this. This works again. Like, again, the mindset of how do I bring this in as part of my pedagogy, as part of who I am. Yeah. I, I, I got to say, I, I love the approach of, of, again, just not being a physical. Mm-hmm. product but like just a mind the whole mindset mm-hmm. yeah. and using design thinking as a teacher and thinking about your user as your students you know like how can i set this classroom up how can i set this experience up um and but then putting them through the process and we did something uh a show a while ago years ago with holly Mori, and there's so many parts right to design thinking which i think i know for me was always you know, one of the big, I don't want to say drawbacks, but definitely a setback and something that was intimidating, but to not have to get everything through every lesson, like maybe one lesson would focusing on building empathy for characters. Um, and something else would be ideating, um, but not have to run through that whole process through every lesson. And that's, was, that's the, yeah. go ahead, sorry. I was saying hers was what, uh, bento box, yeah, the, bento the, box design thinking. Yep. Like it's little compartments. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's exactly it. That's the beauty of design thinking is you don't have to go here's one through seven steps and you have to hit them all and you have to hit them in this particular order. You can ideate for you know days. You can right. brainstorm, or you could have a great idea that your, your table team wants to try and you're just going to test it. Let's see what happens, <laughs> you know? And that's, that gives you the feedback because you know, the whole idea that failure is feedback that's got to be tied in. And the earlier we do it with our secondary students, the better off they're going to perform and goes back to that achievement issue, right? So the better off they're going to perform once they get to high school or when they get to the higher grades. If you give it to them in sixth grade, you give them this mindset, you give them these opportunities to fail as as part of the natural feedback loop, then it's not like that self-efficacy isn't isn't being tarnished, right? It's just like, this is just some feedback for me, right? I have my kids, I tell them like failure is feedback. Like I'm giving you feedback, this didn't work. Like the F word is okay. It's okay to drop the F word in our class right? because it's failure <laughs> and it's just feedback. <laughs> and even, I, I mean, you're saying like sixth grade, but I mean, I, I just think, you know, and Joe and I have talked about this in the past, man, what if you started that Younger. mindset in kindergarten? Yes. Like, I, I mean, who knows what you're getting by sick, by middle school at that point. You right. figure in kindergarten, they're more willing to take chances. They're more willing to try things. Um, so to start to foster that earlier. Yeah. And what's so great, and I, this is like my issue with, with elementary level, and I apologize, but what's so great is that when you start employing design thinking mindsets early on, like the kindergarten, you are not, I look at it, it's like the, design thinking is the equity equalizer. You are not 
you're not separating kids into the genius hour. These kids can't do. So we're going to just give them the IRS support and the kids that can, they get to go to the, you know, the gifted and talented and they get to get this exposure. This is everybody. This is accessible to everybody. Like your prior knowledge, while it could be useful, is not a requirement. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what kills me is like only certain kids and I'll try not to be on a tangent because I know we're talking about something different, but only certain <laughs> kids can have access to this, this genius hour can have access to this gifted and talented program. And that's hogwash, right? So you start kindergarten early and you start this mindset early and it's accessible to all. This is, this almost is one of the things that I would say almost like started us on this road was tell the story you, you, with, with- like g- genius hour where we had a kid and I was in the inclusion class. I was the regular ed teacher and there's, we had a student who it's a shame because eventually he wound up being out of the inclusion class and went into uh, what does our school call it, Ron? Um, mainstream or no, he did. He wasn't in mainstream through fifth grade. Once he got out of my oh, oh yeah, no, he went into like a self-contained self-contained right. now um, struggling reader. I don't want to say struggling with math. Math was definitely his stronger suit, but on the standardized tests, never really produced. Um, so well, he because our, our standardized test test your reading, not your math. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, so we started Genius Hour, and uh, you know we had kids that were getting straight A's that had no clue what to do. And this kid was like, "Oh, I want to do a YouTube video on how to change what was it like a bike tire or change change the change the chain the chain yeah the chain yeah." It's even more so, complicated than changing the bike tower. <laughs> well, Eddie's like, I want to, I want to put it up on YouTube because the whole thing was, what do you want to do? How do you want to help people? And how are you going to share it with the world? So then these kids that are getting straight A's are just watching him because we brought in a tool set, we brought in bicycles, we brought in skateboards, and the kids are like, can I help him? And we're like, do you need help? And he's like, yeah, sure, they can help. So the one kid's like, uh, you know, just sitting there watching, goes, give me a wrench. And the kid goes, give him a wrench. He goes, that's not a wrench. Oh, my God. Don't you know what a wrench is? <laughs> uh, so, like, <laughs> here's a kid who's never achieved success in the classroom. And and eventually, like, he's leading these groups and would be in front of the class and, you know, explaining things. And he would never get that opportunity. Um, yeah. And, of course, once he hit fourth grade, it was almost like the best for him because he did get a fourth grade teacher that was willing. So he was working with someone that really... uh valued what he had yeah um, be it in a in a self-contained class but he would for lack of a better term like rent him out to other classes to do presentations and things you know it was uh it was it was just really cool to see and then almost like well that's why you do it you know because here's a kid who might not ever achieve success in the classroom and is and is running groups and i, well, I, it was I a laughed rock star i, I said Yo, you we gotta had, explain what, to him what a wrench is yeah and and to your point we had one of my students who in the project event, my after, you know, the, the program, she was also, she, a self-contained class. She was in seventh grade, but read at a third grade level. She came to me on recommendation from the principal because she was an entrepreneur, meaning she was selling candy on the bus. <laughs> so they needed something with her to do because she was creative. And I was like, yeah, totally bring her on. I had I had no idea for the first five months of working with her that she was in self-contained. I had zero clue. She blew everybody out of the water. She was thoughtful. She was like, she could, you know, same things. It's not on paper. And I was shocked when I found out that she was a third grade reading level because her researching skills were outstanding. They were amazing. She could see past the like, kids were like, let's do this, let's do this. And she was like, 
organizationally, like that doesn't make sense. We have to do this, this, and this first. Like she was brilliant. She was brilliant. And she would same thing like her would never have had that opportunity to shine into show. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it's why we do what we do. Because again, yeah. that equally equalizer of like anybody, I don't care what your socioeconomic background is, your racial background. Like I don't, it doesn't matter what you say on paper, who they say you are. It's a complete different approach when they come in. Or even their reading level, when you give them the choice of what do you want to, what do you want to learn about? You know, they're going to break those barriers as opposed to say, oh, it's reading class, read this. I hate that. I you hate know? reading. I hate it. Well, and for, you know, any number of students, YouTube is truly like a viable form of reading now, right? Like it, if reading is processing information. Well, that's it. What's your definition of reading? Right. Right. Like what, what, what does reading supposed to give you either enjoyment or knowledge? So right. I can get both enjoyment and knowledge from watching YouTube on like, you know, whether it's how to whatever, how to grow cucumbers or how to YouTube. <laughs> hey, listen, when I was in school, I got sent to the trailers for the reading class. So I wasn't a high level reader looking right. back. Like I wear glasses back then. I never wore my glasses. So seeing was my, was my big, <laughs> reading. Was one of the problems. Yeah. seeing was my big reading problem, but yeah. I was still considered a problem reader. And you know what, to this day, I hate reading. I can't right. stand well, reading. You were right. So there's that confirmation bias. You were affirmed on a regular basis through your educational journey that you were not a strong reader. You were not this, you were not that. And you start encoding that and you start believing it. Right. So you're like, I'm not. But you're right. Like when you look at things like YouTube and texting being a form of written language, like it, it's right. you're still processing. You're still right. going through what we're asking you neurologically to do. You might be neurodivergent is the new trendy term for it. But right. like you just it's not the normal way, whatever defining normal is. It's not right. the normal way of a traditional classroom, whatever a traditional classroom is. <laughs> so I think that kind of, you know, as we we're talking, brings us to Project Invent. Yeah. Um, so we had Project Invent on with Kelly Ojeda, uh, episode 56. And so Project Invent uses design thinking, correct? 100% they use it. Yeah. yeah. And innovation. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about Project Invent for somebody who may not have listened to that episode. Um, and then we'll kind of go into your experience. Great. Uh, Project Event is a national organization, like you said, that does use design thinking and innovation. They um, pair you or you can be paired with a community partner, a real life community partner who has some type of a wicked or, or strong obstacle or problem to face. And then you work with your community partner after listening to them. And then as your team gets together, they review the notes of the video or, or the discussion from the community partner. And they try to... Uh, design a, because you do have to use some kind of technology with Project Invent. Um, you design some type of an artifact or a device that you can then allow your community partner to test or use to see it might help them, um, you know, make something a little bit easier in their life. So uh, blind folks, you know, maybe you put some like, you know, I'm only going to use Braille because that's the immediate, right? Maybe you put some Braille or you put something in like if they can't figure out their shampoo, their body wash, or their conditioner. So you design in some type of a product that when they're showering, that they could, whether, you know, that that would might be able to help them with that um, buyer, right? So if you, again, one of our, our, our partners from last summer just found out he, there was a fire and that was something that we didn't even consider when we met with him, um, how being blind, how do you manage that, right? Um, so you would come up with designs or, or, or artifacts to say, all right, this is gonna, this is gonna help him with this particular item, right? 
Um, so you do, uh, you do have that opportunity. And originally, Project Invent only did high school level. So this past year was the very first year that they did middle school level. And that's why I keep pushing at you. (laughs) (laughs) They did middle school level. So two years ago, I, you know, when I got my degree or whatever in design thinking, I just started following a lot of people, following what people were doing. And I applied to be a pitch coach for Project Invent. So that's how I really got wrapped up with them. Um, And I was able to do a pitch coach and I was so enamored and I believe so strongly in what they are trying to achieve. Um, And again, they go to Title I schools, they go into socioeconomically depressed areas. They, you know, they try to lift everybody up. They try to give everybody the opportunity to to use design thinking, to use technology to, to, you know, in service of somebody else and to have those community partners, those experiences outside the classroom. So I was a pitch coach for these girls. um, out of Cali, and they ended up winning. They're um, they're going at the just future fest, which is like the the end of like the crowning glory. You get to go to California, and you go to Future Fest, and you show off your invention, and you to Google and to you know all these high tech Amazon companies, and you pitch it, and it's this wonderful experience. So I fell in love with it. So I you know I saw this last year uh, before this time. So it might have been May two years ago, a year and a half ago. Um, that they were actually going to go into middle school. So like, of course, I like quickly, I applied, I want to do this. So, you know, I did a pitch coach, I want to do this. And I was accepted into their, their fellowship program. So uh, last summer, it's a weekend long fellowship and they, they you go through the whole step process, a design sprint, essentially. So you have this weekend design sprint, you, you know, so you can see what the kids go for and go and, you know, they're modeling what you're going to, what you're going to uh, teach your kids. And then I was able to do it this, this last fall with them. Um, we were really great because we were fortunate where Project Event actually teamed us up with our community partner, Nico Mayering, and he is out of Philly and it was his very first time. And it was amazing because he has suffered from congestive congenital hypertension uh, syndrome, which means his heart just stops. Wow. So it like he'll stop breathing and you don't know if he's like in duress or stress and, and, and only 2000 folks globally have this particular <laughs> syndrome. So now if you can imagine, I have a team of 11, 12, and one 13-year-old working on this, this project with him. Like his heart stops. What you know, what are your needs? What, you know, how can we help you? Um, and they go through the whole program and they designed a wearable device, which was really, really cool that could help him. They had to isolate a couple ideas, right? Like obviously not to, to get overwhelming. So they isolate a couple ideas of like what's usable, what's user-friendly. A watch or a wearable technology body tech is, is user-friendly, something that he could manage um, because he wanted more independence. So they were able to code and they go through this whole coding thing. We use the micro bit, which is incredibly easy for kids to use. Again, like my top coder was 11. He would take the micro bit home and research how to do whatever. The next meeting, he was like, oh, I ditched the battery pack and I learned how to put the watch battery in. So now we just use watch batteries. So form and functionality, like he figured out on his own. But they, you know, they coded it for for certain things that that would be able to help Nico, um, which was really really cool. And then Nico came to our school, and he was a part of the process the whole time. He had a video; he was really accessible to us. So we, the kids, would always with that empathy, they'd always go back to that video. What does he need? What is what does he say? What does he think? What does he need? What's his like his big wish point? You know, how can we give this to him? Um, and then you go to everybody gets to go to in our eastern you know part. So if you guys did it, we'd go to New York. And we were the only middle school out of the 10 teams up there. And they ended up winning 
one of the certain these uh, one of the prizes there, which was a five hundred dollar um, prize for for being the most ingenuitive um, and you know one of the the, the problem solving issues that they had. Um, so they get they got the award from that, and then we found out we got Future Fest. So they flew us out to San Francisco. The kids got the whole experience. They got to go to Cali. They got to go to San Francisco. They got to do their their interactive tech and pitch that night in front of the Google executives, in front of Amazon and PayPal and Zelle, like <laughs> everyone you could think of. And these kids are like amazing. Um, which there's a couple of things here with the empathy that really stood out with the project and Ben is that you do develop empathy for your end user. Clearly, with Nico, we use you know he was part of our team. He was an absolute like teammate. He would be our seventh teammate, and any of the kids would tell you that. But also the empathy that they they brought for each other. Right. One of our kids is neurodivergent. So he was our only eighth grader and he participated. And it was so great the night that they were pitching in the interactive um, project event, like grand finale, um, because folks would go up to Joey and say, well, what did you do? And the kids jumped or like he did this and he did that. And he did like whenever they could see the cues, if he was getting uncomfortable, they jumped right in. Right. So that goes back to that empathy. Um, design thinking as being a mindset. They learn this mindset, not only for our user with Nico, but also for each other, right? So I look at Project Invent, it is such an incredible opportunity for schools, middle school, high school to get involved where the kids have these opportunities to learn and to go beyond the classroom. And it's not like a DECA program, right? Where you have to have certain grades or you have to be this or you have to be that. My one girl, like I said earlier, like she was in a self-contained class. Like, would she have had that opportunity in DECA? Probably not. Right. Right? Probably not. These kids were amazing. And you just sat back and we coached them. I was like, all right, here's here's some videos on YouTube. I don't know how to code. Good luck. Like, here's your <laughs> microbit. I will buy you what you need. You give me a shopping list. <laughs> you need four more microbits and a watch band? I got you. I don't know how to do any of it. <laughs> so I guess that's a good a good point. You you don't have to have a prerequisite of skill sets to do it. No, not at all. To lead it. No, to lead it, to coach it. And you can do it as like a, a part-time, like a like a half year. You could do it as a full year commitment. You could do it as a, I mean, there's one school, one of the, the fellows, it's now school-wide. It's like an actual class, a project event class. They do school-wide, which is super cool. Or you could do it as a club. We met once a week on Wednesdays. For an hour and a half. And you know, the last month and a half, we met twice a week. I was open during advisory. So if they wanted to come during their advice, because we have advisory time school wide at the same time, they could come down during advisory and work. Um, or you could do it during a lunch period. Like the commitment really truly is based on what you have available, your needs, right? Um, and again, with Project Event, they do so much great work. They they have donors and they there's you, know, you can have two sides. Like if you're a title one school, the the economic aspect is not a barrier to get in, right? That's not a barrier. They make it work for you. Um, and if you are a traditional school that's not Title I, it's an incredibly cost-effective way to get in. And it's 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 not expensive, right? Um, to give these kids these opportunities and then you can fundraise on top of that, whatever. There's always miscellaneous funds, whether it's in tech or whatever that you can pull in for this. And again, with New Jersey, our state learning standards are now required to teach design thinking. Right. Like, it hits all of it. You could do climate change again, another state standard. You could do climate change and design thinking within the same class and hit all your standards. So like the argument is easy, right? To an admin, like 
hey, it hits all of our new state our state standards. It hits the NGSS. It hits the design thinking standards, the computer standards. Like it hits our ELA, it hits our interdisciplinary, it hits our technology, it hits our presentation. The argument's there. Right. Easy. And so you spoke about like, there has to be a technology aspect. Does it always have to involve coding something like, you know, or does technology, can technology come in via 3D printing or does it have to use like a micro bit or an Arduino or something? Yeah, like so you get offered either micro bit or Arduino when you okay. go in, but again, it's scratch, it's, it's scratch code, right? Yeah, like, yeah, wow. yeah. So it's pull and play. Like yep. my kids could figure it out. Yeah. But they could figure it out. <laughs> Because luckily they take scratch in elementary school. So they had some. So they knew some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the black code is really, it really is quite simple to work with. And then like there's the advanced drop down tasks. You can get like really cool, which they did. And they got all funky and clever with it. Um, they were, they're like, let's, let's program a tic-tac-toe game for him. Let's do this. Let's do that. Like, they they programmed a calming breathing thing. So if he was having a hard time breathing or feeling anxiety, like feeling anxiety, let's figure that out. They were able to code their microbit to talk to a secondary microbit. So, and they like they did all these mathematical measurements between cement walls and how many square footage away could you actually use these two devices to talk. So, if his heart rate dipped below a certain baseline that he coded that we coded for him, somebody else could get an alert to go and see him. Which then mm. eventually you could do it to a nine one one. Right? Like these kids were amazing, and that's what we're talking about: brainstorming and not constraining them. Like. You don't, as a coach, you don't have to put your limited mindset on it because these kids are like, let's do this. Let's do that. And you're like, yes, let's <laughs> go figure it out. <laughs> go figure it out. And they did. They were like, yeah, this goes, this goes 250 square feet through cement. So it's probably going to be a little bit, you know, longer or, or of a, of a signal when you're only dealing with drywall. I was like, how, how old are you? <laughs> or physics. <laughs> Well, and they were they were learning all that without even realizing they were learning all that. Yeah, yeah, and that's the key. Like, I mean, again, you can you can say that yes, math is there, the culture is there, the history is there, like all of that, the research skill, all of it is in the project demand opportunity. And so, when they're saying middle school, are they what what grades are they counting? Because I know some schools like fifth grade is middle school, sixth grade is like, do you yeah, know yeah. What grade level they count. I think, I mean, as long as it's considered middle school. So if there's a school that says fifth grade, like if it's fifth, sixth, and seventh as like their model, then so be it, right? If right. it's like for us, we're six, seven, and eight. Some middle schools are seven, eight with nine, right? right? So where six is the upper elementary. Um, so I don't, I think that they're meeting with such success with this. They, like, their goal really is to be in every school and they should be. Mm. They should be. It's an amazing program. So if... I'm a teacher and I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh, I should try it. What, what kind of advice? A hundred percent do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> um, I think that there's a couple of different ways to do it, right? So if you are nervous about it, like you're not sure if it's going to work for your school, I would definitely advise to go be a pitch coach, right? Like look out, like my dissertation, my doctoral advisor, um, because it is for middle school and high school, I turned around, she loves it as well. She's, she, you know, consults for Apple. Um, but she wanted to be a pitch coach because she wanted to be involved, right? So go be a pitch coach, right? That's one of the ways to do it is your expertise as an educator or your expertise and maybe, you know, you have background in in dog training. Like that, that could be interesting expertise. Like, mm. you know I mean? Whatever it might be that you can bring to the table, 
to listen to kids pitch their ideas to help them become better at, at communicating what they're doing, go be a pitch coach and then you're going to fall in love with it. But then again, you know, if you have the, the means to do it and the time to do it, then I would say just jump in, like learn as you go. And I think I saw they, they actually put a curriculum out there. F- oh yeah. That's for free right now. For like mm-hmm. you can just download it. You can download the curriculum. Run yeah. with it. You're not going to be in the, the actual the competition. pitch competition and all, but that might be a easy way to jump in. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I was downloading it after a pitch coach and, and cause you know, pitch coaching for ends like March or April, but I was downloading that prior to becoming a fellow was downloading the free resources to say, okay, how can I bring this into my advisory? Right. How can I start implementing some of these ideas? How can you do a mini sprint? How can you, and, and the lessons there are so they're so accessible and so user-friendly that absolutely would download what they had and then, you know, try to jump into it. If you could, if you wanted to have that, that experience of like the level up experience, you could do it within your own community, your own culture, your own classroom. But if you wanted that level up experience of seeing other kids and going and competing and doing, it's, it's great. It's great to do that because you do all, no matter where you are, there are these, um, you go to demo day is called. So you had the demo day and ours was in New York. And if you were to do it or whatever, like Connecticut to South Carolina, I think went to New York. And then there's certain areas, you know, in the West or whatever that you would go to and you would have your demo day and you get to pitch your idea at demo day. And that's, everybody gets to do that, right? Everybody gets to go to demo day. So that's like the highlight of it all. And like that pipe dream is if you get to Cali, right? Like that future fest. Um, because not everybody does, but the, the fact that every kid could have that opportunity to go to demo day in front of a real live audience and to pitch your idea and to see what it's like to be an entrepreneur, see what it's like to have your innovation put out there. And you get feedback along the way. Like halfway through the program, we got feedback from folks who worked at Google and various other design places um, because they pair you with that. So like you get to pitch your, your idea halfway through and get that 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 kind of feedback, which is great. And then you get a pitch coach months later. Like they really do work with you all the way through. So your kids get this amazing experience and they're so accessible. The folks who are our regional contacts um, are, are so accessible. Jerome, I can email him or text him and he'd get right back to you. So they really want this to be a successful experience. And when it, so, and I, I, I think I have an idea, but when you're saying pitch coach, mm-hmm. can you just kind of maybe break down, I guess like if I, I was a, uh, going with an office reference, Joe, explain it to me like I'm three. (laughs) (laughs) So a pitch coach would be like being a shark, right? If you were to do um, Shark Tank. But instead of being a Simon, (laughs) right? (laughs) You would be like someone a little bit nicer. (laughs) You would be like the bike, right? (laughs) Um, So a pitch coach, you would just, you would listen. Like they give you a, a rubric. And they give you like a guideline of what you're looking for, um, how to give the feedback, um, what the kids, you know, where the kids are excelling. And the kids have like, like they get this whole thing. Like before you pitch to your coach, you have to make sure you you get a um, a slide deck and it's like a, a pre, you know, pre-made slide deck for you as, as a team and you would fill it out. And then as a pitch coach, you're going to say, okay, did they have X, Y, and Z? Were they engaged? Did every student talk? Did they, you know, like you have this rubric to go with. So you don't have to go empty handed, like, oh my gosh, I had to get these kids feedback. I don't know how to do it. Right. So you do have a, a rubric that you follow. 
um, which is accessible to all teachers, right? Because we do right. rubrics all the time. So you follow this rubric and then you're able to give that feedback um, in a cell. You give a you know a little bit of feedback for them. Um, and it's it's a very and you can meet with your your you meet with your team or you would meet with a student team two or three times. And then if there's a, if you see a problem with the team, like all right, they're this idea is great, but they're they really need more hands-on, you hand it off to project event. And they're like, let us know and we'll take care of it. We'll meet with them. We'll get them ready for demo day. So it's not like you are all this pressure. You could be like, hey, they have a good idea, but they're doing, they really need more support in their delivery or they really need support in their marketing or they really need support in this. And I I can't give it. You would you would reach out and they they cut right in. Like if you're meeting with your team more than three times, like you need to let us know and we'll jump in and we're going to get them that support. We'll get them where they need to be. You know what I mean? So the pressure yeah. is, there's no real pressure on you. You're all you're, you're giving that feedback with a rubric that makes it simple. But if you notice, like, I don't know if this this team's gonna get there, you tell them, and they're like, we swoop in and we take care of it. And is it you? Do you meet with the teams virtually? Yeah, yeah. No? You can meet with them. Yeah, you meet with them virtually because I mean, my my pitch coach. I met with as a pitch coach. I met with folks that were in Cali, right? So you you might have a team in North Carolina or Texas or Virginia or Connecticut. Um, so you're, you know, very rarely are you going to be nearby and it's only like an hour commitment. They set the whole thing up for you. They create the calendar. They, it's, it's actually, they use dreamy, um, which is an easy user-friendly, as soon as you sign up as a push coach and their team signs up, you do nothing. They connect you. You just like pick a calendar date and they're available. You say yes. And you click and you're there. So again, it's seamless. They really work through the back end of it for you. So you don't have to be like, oh my gosh, how do I get in touch with them? How do I do this? It's through Dreamy. It's a it's a it's a program that as soon as you sign on, it takes care of it for you. It has like a if you've used calendar, it works very similar. How did your so how did your team do in California? Oh my God, they did amazing. Um they got all kinds of shout outs and they were used in all the marketing material. Um they they were in Cali you don't actually be they compete because the winning is really just being one of the seven teams that gets to go. So there were 50 teams nationwide this year. And then the kids in order to go to Cali, you had to, like the kids had to do a lot. They had to submit a video. They had to say like what their experience was um, and they had to respond to surveys or whatever. And they had to like, they, at least two folks on our team had to, like, the kids had to like respond to it. And then as an educator or as a fellow, I made like a two minute video about what I saw. Um, and, and that was like, my whole thing was let the, like, let go of the wheel, let the kids drive. And then that was my focal point. So I gave like a two minute, like, this is what I saw as a coach. Like I didn't do, couldn't code any of this. I let them kind of like that idea of failure and figuring it out. Like they did it, you know, and they worked through, you know, the personalities together. Um, and then you submit that and then they let you know after reviewing, like, oh, you've been selected to come. (laughs) So we were actually getting ready. For demo day, it was the Wednesday before that Saturday of demo day. And, you know, we're going through, they're walking through their whole pitch or whatever. And the email came in like, oh, you've been selected to go to, to Future Fest. And the kids lost their minds because they're ready for demo day. They're trying, you know, they're all excited. Like, oh. <laughs> but it was great. It was great. That, that's awesome. You said Project Invent paid part of yeah, going so, out? Yeah. Project Invent pays for four of our students to come out. So we had seven folks on our team. Um, but it pays for four and then two chaperones. So they they pay for six of you to go out, right? So one of my my VP, one of my VPs came um, and they pay for your hotel, they pay for the food, they pay for your flight, 
they give you like a credit card stipend so you can buy breakfast, lunch, and dinner, even though they provide it for you. Like, it's amazing. So think about Title I schools, right? Who don't have these opportunities, right? First, it's free if you're a Title I school, right? Um, and they, 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 they support you on that. And then if you are able to go to Cali, they pay for you to get out there. Like one of, one of the teams out there is a Title I school. Um, so that, that's like that socioeconomic aspect of it is, is daunting, but they, they take care of it literally of all of it. Right. So we ended up fundraising for our other kids to ensure that they could all go. Um, so we did like a two week, like, like crash fundraising and we raised <laughs> enough of the money. Like we raised like $2,200 through crazy funding, um, for these kids to go. So then they were out there, they were able to actually go to Alcatraz. They were able to go to Fisherman's Wharf. They were able to do, have all these other amazing experiences because of the project and that involvement. Wow. That is, yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love that you're sharing because I think it, we got much deeper into project invent and like your experience than when we, you know, just talked the yeah. basics about it. It's, it sounds amazing. I'm going to try and figure out a, a way. You know, to, Even if you guys are pitch coach, you got to do something where yeah. you get your feet into it, right? Where well, you can say like, all right, well, we don't have like, and again, like if the budget, like for me coming back as a fellow, it's like $500 for me to come back. But we actually had that 500 left over from our fundraising. You know what I mean? You could do a vertical raise, right? right so right. it's like a grand or whatever it is to get, like if you're a non-title one school. And, and say it's like a thousand. I forget what the, the entry was. Um, but you could do a vertical raise. Like, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. We're going to bring this curriculum in. You know, we're going to give like 10 of our kids or whatever the opportunity to go to, to New York because you would get a New York demo day um, and do a vertical raise to get it. Right. Or find that, I mean, there's always miscellaneous line items that we can squeeze money from somewhere. <laughs> Especially when you can go and you promote like, hey, it hits all of the standards. standards. <laughs> all about standards. <laughs> all about standards and student yeah. achievement and real world yeah. learning. And we we have it too, right? So even though we're a relatively affluent district, right? But that is changing. Like our demographic is changing. And this is like one of those things that I would 1000% fight for. Like the, the experience is so incredible for such a wide range of students that kids that wouldn't necessarily have this experience that I would 1000%, I, I would throw my budget out for it. Like my ELA budget, but like, all right, we can reread books. We can go to like Sora. We can go online. I can find PDFs. Like kids need this, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just real world. Um, and that's really what, where, does, where our innovation is going, right? Where that's where our education is going is we're trying to get them ready for the 21st century. This does it like stop saying we're trying to and just do it. Right. And we're, we're almost a quarter of the way through the 21st century. Okay. So let's, <laughs> let, let, let's get to it. <laughs> right. Like I always say that. I'm so glad that you think the same way. Like what? it's, it's preparing. Like how we're a quarter of the way through it. Right. Stop the preparation. <laughs> let's just be there already. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, you have anything else about. No, I, about I was, one of the things I was going to say, I feel Dawn, before you came on, I was just going to tell Ron, I found my schedule for next year and there's 10 periods. We're going now to a 10 period schedule from a nine period schedule. And for fifth grade, I have one group before lunch and then one group after lunch and the group before lunch, I'll have three periods to deal uh, math and social studies or science. And in the afternoon, I'll have four periods. Um, so I feel like that fourth period might be some project invent yeah. um, or some great time. You know, if I have a whole extra period with a class. 
And you can run this, right? And, and I know that Ron and I talked about this too. Like you can find a community partner, even within your own school community, like someone that you can work with. If you have self-contained classes, go find a student, right? So that makes it real for our kids. Find a student and they become your community partner, mm-hmm. right? Find a parent, someone that could use some kind of a, a, like a, a problem-solving device for something that they experience, right? One of the things that like, if you go to the Project Event website, like one of the kids in high school, their team created like a stress, like a stress reliever for high school kids, right? So it was like, they would hold this, like this oblong shape and, and it would have a heart rate for it. So it doesn't have to be this catastrophic thing, right? It could just be a, like anxiety. How do you, how might we like manage anxiety for our high school students or for our elementary kids students? Or how might we be able to put a bag on the, you know, the, the side for kids that are in self-contained classes or that might be impaired in some way, like with mobility, right? Like, that you can put their their um, the bags next to them where it's like accessible, like a reader or whatever. But you you can find a community partner and go through the project event lesson plans without having to like like Ron said earlier, without having to do the competition aspect of it. But it really is about that empathy, finding someone within your community to work with, and it makes it real for the kids. They're going to want to design for somebody that's close to them, right? Another student or a parent, you know. Yeah, we have we have uh, in our town is Leisure Town, mm-hmm. so it's a big over fifty five community. <laughs> Tons of issues that you may be able to you know Tons find somebody to deal Tons. with. Yeah, Tons of needs. Um, yeah, canes, walking, limited sight, like you know, like using these sensors. Like again, microbit is so easy. And I'm sure Arduino is as well because I've I've never really used it, but microbit is so easy with these sensors and things, right? So even if you could find. I mean the microbit if you and if you do, I'll give you the website. Like if you buy it on Amazon, it is they rake you. Um it's like 20 some, 25, maybe $30. But if you buy from where I get it, it's like the one in, in the UK because it's built out of the UK, it's 20 bucks a microbit. Right. So I mean, I just bought I just bought them. I bought like, I don't know, maybe eight of them last year. You know, yeah. and we have we have quite a few. I mean, we have we have a bunch. Because yeah. you were just at ISTE and they gave them. They they actually gave me one of the the version two. I have me a too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use the V2. Um, but yeah, they they gave me a, a version two in the one session. Yeah, which was awesome. 100%. Um and that's I think uh in the UK, Microbit gives yeah. microbits to every school. Every school. Yeah. Every school. Like, yep. Yeah. And they're really great. Like I tag them in Twitter all the time and they were really interested. Um, and you, you know, I would suggest to start tracking them as well. Cause after ISTE, I know you started, um, but they're real interested in how the microbits being used in the States and how yeah. folks are using them here in their school system, because they do give it out. Like, that's the other thing. When you look at like, what's the rest of the world doing? Like, okay, well, the UK is giving the kids this yeah, and we're begging for it, right. <laughs> you know, and it's not like just the STEM classes getting this. No, no. All the kids are getting access to yep. this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you can use it for, it's not just a STEM thing. Like, no. I mean, you can use it for a lot of different things. Your science class, you want to look at water, right? You can do yep. all kinds of, and there's so many free lessons on the microbit website. Oh yeah. Like other thing, you got free lessons from project event. You've got free lessons on the microbit website, like how to engage our kids in using these things yep. in multiple ways. Anything else you would like to say, Dawn? Um, it's in terms of like technology and innovation, don't think because it's not what your background is that you can't do it. And that is really important. 
Um, I came from a marketing, advertising, public relations, ELA, communication, theater background, and I am full on with the technology. I mean, we've talked about like with AI, right? Like this whole overtaking was one of your questions. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of the technology, right? Use it. We, our kids need that. They deserve that, right? So you can't back away from it. Just got to be creative and, and hit or miss. Like, don't be afraid of the F word, right? Yeah, don't. <laughs> don't be afraid of using the I, word. I, I had, I had, a, I had a think for a second. I'm like, but yeah, yeah. right. Family. I'm gonna change yeah. that. I'm gonna change that. Be like, F word. <laughs> yes, use it. Use it with intention. Oh. Yeah, and I think that you're right on with like AI and Joe. We we just had on Eric Tal from Mega Minds, and you know we're talking to him about AI, and it's not going away. So to just say like, oh, we're not going to talk about it or we're just going to demonize it or we're going to, it's there. Let's talk about how to ethically use it to help with writer's block and creativity and like make you a better writer or what, whatever it's going to be. I mean, it'll write code for you. Like yes. use it. And then you can actually apply, right? Which goes back to that mindset aspect of design thinking. You can apply the design thinking mindset to ethically utilizing AI, right? Brainstorm what your search term is going to be. Like, what do I want? Do I want to write an essay? Of course, you're going to have, just like if people have been cheated with the calculators, you're going to have folks who are like, are going to try and turn in an essay. Well, there's a tone to no tone. So you pick it up right away. Um, But if you use that design thinking mindset of like, all right, let me brainstorm ways to actually utilize this. How can it does write code for you? All right. So now if I'm going to be writing a, a project event lesson, how can I have AI help me with this, right? Mm. So and it's- design thinking projects are kind of a little AI. You can't really use AI to mm. do the empathy part, right? right? That's a human right. thing. So it's if you're looking for human. projects that are AI proof, design thinking projects kind of run in there. A hundred percent. Well, I can't thank you enough for for coming on and joining us and spending some time and sharing your knowledge. Thank you. I can't thank you for being here. I know I am excited to link up with you and have our kids do stuff together. That's the other part. (laughs) Two seconds on that. Like here's the cell on cross district, cross state work, right. With getting our kids the opportunity design thinking does that these projects, project event type projects, design sprint projects allows folks from North Jersey, Middle Jersey, South Jersey, anywhere across the globe to work together, right? Which is the end point, right? We're trying to get our kids to get there. Like yeah. we saw, talked about earlier, like we're in the 21st century, like, all right, so kids should be working together, cross state, cross nation, cross the globe. Yeah, awesome. it's a global society. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yay, well, thank you again. <laughs> you guys are so great. Teacher nerds, teacher nerds, knocking on your door. Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. Give it a try, don't be shy, there's nothing there to lose. Worst thing that happens, kids get pain on their shoes. We're talking teacher nerds, I'm talking teacher We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, or anywhere you listen. When you subscribe, be sure to give us a review and tell a friend. Visit us at teachernerds.com. Follow us on Twitter at teachernerds, on Instagram at teachernerdspodcast, or email us teachernerds at gmail.com. And remember, we're nerds with a Z. Most importantly, thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds. <laughs>